I'm going to have uh, Yasti pray in Espanol in just a moment because me Espanol un poquito. And so she's going to pray in Spanish in just a moment. But we're going to read our Bibles. And so I want you to turn this morning to Genesis chapter 2. I'm talking about marriage mechanics. Marriage mechanics. It's part one today. At Genesis chapter 2, we're going to read verses 18, 24, and 25. And then we're going to turn to the New Testament. We're going to read Matthew chapter 19, the words of Jesus, verses 4 through 6. I want you to stand with me in the honor of reading God's word. Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read verse number 18. And the Bible says, the Lord God said. Who said? Who said? The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And all the men said, come on, I'll admit, and I will make a helper suitable for him. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother. Everyone say leave. leave. Leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become, they become one flesh. Verse number 25. And Adam and his wife were both naked and all the men said amen. And they felt no shame. And they felt no shame. Intimacy, purity, the plan of God. See, in the very beginning, God's plan was for marriages to be blessed, to be abundant, to be fruitful, to have no shame, to have no walls, to have no barriers, complete transparency with one another. Now, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, we're going to read verses 4 through 6. And Jesus said, haven't you read, haven't you read that at the very beginning, the very beginning of mankind, the creator made them male and female. God was not confused about genders. And so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Let no one separate. I want to talk to you this morning on how to tune up your marriage. How to tune up your marriage. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, I thank you for grace. That's so amazing. Every person in this room, God, they're here because you've drawn them. Whether they were invited by a friend, whether they came because of something they saw on the internet, or or however they got here today, Lord. God, they're here because you have something for them. I pray that you'll give them spiritual ears to hear. But God, not just the people in the pew, but also the, the man standing up here today. You'll give me the right words to speak. So that it will not be my words, but they'll literally become your words in the ears and the hearts of those who hear. God bless every person. Every single person, every married couple, young couple, older couple, every person here today, I pray that they'll have a spiritual to hear your desire and plan for them. I ask this now in your name. Amen. Yassi. Padre, gracias por la oportunidad de llegar hasta tu casa, mi Señor, para adorarte y bendecir tu nombre, Dios. Te pedimos, Señor, que abras nuestros corazones, nuestros oídos para escuchar lo que tú tienes para nosotros en este día. Pedimos bendición sobreabundante para no solo los solteros, los casados y todas las personas que estén en este lugar. En el nombre de Jesús. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Get in your car this morning, turn on the ignition, and on your dashboard, there's a bunch of lights that went up. Isn't that right? Yeah, there's a bunch of lights that went up on your dashboard. Now, typically, if your car is healthy and running good, you start at the dashboard, they all go on, and then in just a few seconds, they go off. But, but many times, you fire up your car, you see all the lights pop up, and not all the lights go off. Uh, if you're like me, I'll look down at my car and I'll, I'll have warning lights. Now, here's the deal with warning lights. Warning lights, my dad used to call them idiot lights. 
Now, the reason they have warning lights is because it's telling you that there's something potentially wrong, either under the hood or, or maybe it's a tire that's got low pressure. But there's something in your vehicle that needs attention, something that you need to focus on, something that you need to look at. If you don't take care of this, it could lead to a big problem. Everyone say a big problem. In our life, in our relationships, we have dashboards. We have flashing lights. And what I've discovered is that many times in relationships with our spouses or with our kids, or just there's so much going on in our world and our life that we don't necessarily focus on the right thing. So we have dashboards. They go off. Maybe, you know, we've been married. Maybe it's a couple years or maybe it's a couple of months. In our small group, one of the, we have couples that have been married for just a couple of months, and we have couples that have been married for over 30 years. So we have a broad range. We have couples that have been married and divorced and remarried, and we've got a wide background of people in our small groups. And what I've discovered many times when the warning lights come on, now that we would never do this. We would never do this to our vehicle. We wouldn't, we would just avoid it. We might put a piece of black tape over it so we can't see it. But, but what happens in relationships is we, we take a hammer to it. We, can you imagine if you're driving and you're, you know, that dumb engine light keeps coming on. Bam! Just smash the dashboard. It ain't coming on no more. I don't got no problem. Now, you might have knocked the light out, but you still got a problem under the hood. You still have an engine problem. And many times in relationships, rather than dealing with the issues... We take hammers and we smash them. And many of us in this room have had relationships fall apart, break apart, tear apart. Many of us have experienced marriage because we really didn't deal with the warning lights on the dashboard of our life. You know, as I thought about this, there are certain dashboard lights that if we don't deal with them, if we don't deal with them, these problems are going to become really big later. Uh, there was a commercial when I was a kid. It used to, the guy used to come on and say, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. Uh, you will pay. All the mechanics in the room are hoping that you pay later. <laughs> but the fact is, is that uh, God doesn't want us to pay it later. God wants to deal with the issues of our life now. Uh, there are some dashboard lights that come on. It's like a little yellow warning light. I actually have it on in my vehicle right now, even as we speak. If I go to start up my truck, I get out there, there's going to be a yellow light that flashes on. That yellow light, I know exactly what it means. It means that my oil needs to be changed. That little dashboard light has been on for over 2,000 miles now. 2,000 miles. You know, I got synthetic oil, so I got, you know, I got a little buffer there. But I gotta, I, I've been avoiding it because it takes time. I have to actually stop, slow down, go to the Toyota dealer, have them give me the 10th degree, go inside and wait and wait and wait. Half an hour oil change, two hours later. And so we just, we have yellow lights. They come on. We just refuse to deal with it. Life's too busy. We just keep going, hoping it's all going to work out. I also, at times, I get a little... Uh, low tire gauge pop-up. Any of you ever have that before? You have the newer cars? Mine actually will tell me how many pounds of pressure in the tires that I have, each tire. And that little tire light will pop up, and I'll know that it's time to pull over and to put air in my tire. Many times in our relationships, in our life, we have low tire pressure, and I equate this to arguing. You know, we, we just bicker a lot. We're always nagging at one another. We're arguing with one another. We're fussing and fighting fighting with one another. We argue over sex. We argue over the kids. We're over the money we're spent, how it's, how it's spent. We, we, just, we have stuff in our life, and we find ourselves arguing. And if we argue too much, the air of our relationship begins to go out. 
the breaks of our life. You have, maybe you have a, 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 here's the deal. If you wait to get your brakes checked, if you wait to get your brakes repaired till you hear the sound, the squealing sound, you've waited too long. Right? If you wait until you hear the metal rub on metal, we've all done it. The breaks of our life, I call them times that we become negative. Relationships, long-term issues that have been avoided, we, we become negative. We're we constantly finding fault in our spouse. We start comparing our spouse to another person. We look at the grass over on the other side of the fence, and it looks so much greener. And, and someone once said that when the grass is always greener on the other side, you just need to spend time watering your own grass. Come on, Amen. So we become negative, we're judging, we're critical, we're always, you know, they can't cook the food right, they, uh, you know, he didn't do this right, he didn't talk that way, right? he didn't, there's this negativity, we start always judging and comparing, we're fighting with one another. I, I've seen people just recently in my sphere of influence that are fighting with their spouse on social media. Everyone say stupid. <laughs> like, come on, don't, don't do that, help us, Lord. We get low on fuel. I got a little another idiot gauge that tells me I got 26 miles left to go. Now, I know that 26 miles isn't really 26 miles. It's about 38 miles. I know that. We get low fuel in our relationships. We get wrong priorities, wrong, we get focused on business, focused on this, focused on hot, whatever it is. We get focused on the right, wrong things. And the fuel that fires that intimacy, that fires that sense of love and devotion and commitment begins to, roll up, begins to run low. And then I have what I call the, the transmission issues, the addiction issues, addictions to all kinds of stuff. Uh, when we find ourselves Christ followers, any person, they find themselves addicted to things that bring destruction and devastation into homes, man, things start really slipping. Have you ever had a transmission go out? You ever had a transmission start to slip before? You'll run down to AutoZone and you hope you buy a little jug of this stuff that you, you pour in the transmission, hoping that it'll kind of smooth it out so you can get a few more miles. People that are carrying addictions, walking through, living a life of, uh, of addictions, whether it's to pornography, whether it's to alcohol, whether, whatever the issue is, spending, overeating. When we have addictions in our life, that, that transmission of our life, that, which causes our life to run smooth and to live the life of abundance, begins to slip. When the check engine light comes on, there's really a problem. When your check engine light comes on, there's really a problem. And when people find themselves, because they've avoided, they haven't really dealt with the issues in the relationship, they find themselves in an affair with another person that didn't happen overnight. Uh, lawyers tell us today, divorce lawyers tell us today that almost 70% of people that end up in divorce today, they met the person, they reconnected with the person, they met that person in an online social media experience. Huh. So we're looking, we're trying to fill the void in, this, in our life, we're trying to find significance, happiness, and, and so we're looking outside of the design and the plan that God had for every one of us when we get married. God's plan. God's purpose was for marriage to be abundant, was for marriage to be fruitful. As a matter of fact, when God created man in his image, the Bible says he blessed them. He blessed them. 
And Satan knows that if he can destroy the family unit, if he can destroy the marital relationship between a husband and a wife, he can wreak havoc and he can wreak hell, not only on that couple, but on their children and on their children to come. And that's why, that's why this message is so important. That's why we must understand that we have a responsibility. God's done his part. God's made it possible. God's opened the door of blessing. God's showed us the way of favor. God has given his word. He's given us truth. He's given us his Holy Spirit who lives in us, who enables us to do everything he's called us to do. But we have our part. Uh, the first thing I want you to see this morning, the first, the first area that we must understand, we've got to take care of the engine. We've got to take care of the engine of our marriage. The engine of our marriage is the cause of Christ. Can a person have a good marriage and not serve the Lord? Maybe. But, but what they won't have is they won't have the plan and the abundance and the blessing that God has for their life. I would say, I would say very difficult, very difficult for people to truly have a happy a, a life of, of intimacy and transparency without the focus of the cause of Christ as their number one priority. I would say it's very difficult. The first thing you got to make sure is this engine is right. You got to make sure your relationship, this thing is right with God. Jesus said it like this in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33. And he, God the Father, will give you all that you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Make the kingdom of God your primary concern. What's the kingdom of God? It's the rule of God, the reign of God. The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness. The word righteousness means to be in right standing. I, I, I consider it like this. I see it like this. You're driving your car and you're staying between the lines. You're staying between the lines. Now, if you're driving up I-4, if you've had an I-4 experience any time in the last couple months, you know staying between the lines is almost impossible. And especially if you're trying to text and drive on I-4. I didn't do it. No, I didn't. No, no, no. True confession here. You're all over, and that semi's next to you. Righteousness, staying between the lines. Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Making the kingdom of God our primary concern. Making the pursuit of God, going after God, loving God in our worship and our prayer time. Today you made a decision to come and worship God on Sunday morning. You made a right decision. You, made a, you put God first on Sunday morning. You said, God, I come, to, I come, and I'm going to gather with believers, and I'm going to worship you. I'm going to make your kingdom my primary concern today. Now, here's the deal. God just doesn't want it on Sunday. God wants it on Monday. God wants it on Tuesday. God wants it on Wednesday, Thursday. It's, it's, how, it's how we keep the engine of our relationship with God and other people right. We put the kingdom of God first in our life. We call it first fruits, giving God our first fruits. That's why Pastor Glenn, when he talked about giving, we give God the first of our income because we're honoring the Lord with our wealth. It, it, there's a couple of big gods in our life. One of the biggest gods in our life is the love of money is, and what money can do, the freedom that it brings. And if we're not careful, the love for that can crowd out our relationship with God. That's why he says, listen, I want to break that off your life. I got a little tree growing in my patio. It's called a, it, it's not a kumquat, it's a limequat. It's between a kumquat and a lime and they blended it together and they got this little fruit on it. And it's a really juicy little fruit. 
the season finished. I had so many lime quats last year, man. I was giving them all my neighbors. We couldn't eat them all. They'd dry up. We had so many. I'd have to put them down the garbage disposal. Make the garbage, you know, if you put a little lemon a little lemon rind in your garbage disposal, it smells better. So I'd save them and put them down there. But hand it out to my neighbors. And, but this season has just started. And the first two lime quats from my tree were ready to give away. Get ready to give away. So Wednesday night, small group, one of the couples on our group on the way out the door, I handed in the first fruits of my tree. And I said to them when I put it in their hands, first fruits are holy to the Lord. I don't know what that means, but it's holy to the Lord. <laughs> enjoy this. Enjoy the first fruits. Enjoy the first fruits. So we're committed to God. We put him first in our life. You know, many times we, we look at marriage. We look at marriage about what we can get, what we can receive. How we can find fulfillment. How we can find happiness. An author once said, I wonder if the intent, God's intent for marriage wasn't to make us happy, but to make us holy. I wonder if God's intent, wonder if God's intent wasn't about our happiness, but about what God wants to do inside of us. So that we can live a life of righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Our culture today, it's all about me. It's all about my happiness. It's all about you bringing me fulfillment. I mean, it, it's the mantra. It, it, it's, the, it's the conversation. It's the talking pieces. See, the number one purpose, the number one purpose of our life is to have our relationship with God right. And the second purpose of our life, the second purpose of our life is that we show love to other people. So we love God. And we love other people. Jesus said it like this. And uh, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6.33. Loving God, love people. Paul the Apostle said it like this in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 2. Paul the Apostle said, share each other's troubles and problems. And so obey the Lord's command. Obey God's command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So as we're checking the engine of our heart, we're saying, God, I love you. But are we living our lives to share our troubles and our problems with other people, to carry them, to, to come alongside of. Marriages that succeed in God's kingdom are marriages that live to serve other people. I love the way Oliver and Yasti have made the kingdom of God the number one priority, and they've really focused on marriages. That's their passion. It's their drive to help other couples succeed in their marriages. I've been in their marriage classes. They're just awesome. They're great. They're walking it out. They're, they, they're living it out, sharing our life with other people. One of the things that attracted me to my wife in 1987 or 1986 when I first met her is her, her love to serve other people. When we had conversations about our future, it was always about how we could be used of God to serve other people. Yeah, we needed careers and we needed money and we needed relationships, but our primary concern was the kingdom of God and how we could demonstrate that love to him and to other people. Our very first year of marriage, very first year of marriage, I wasn't a pastor. I was working at a restaurant in my hometown. My wife was working at the steakhouse across the street. And our very first year of marriage, we committed ourselves to serve God, and we volunteered in our local church. Our local church had a seniors ministry, our nursing home ministry. In our first year of marriage, we spent every week, we went to three different nursing homes serving people, people who could never make it to church. We'd hold church services and Bible studies for them. We made the kingdom of God our number one priority and concern. The second thing is the oil of our marriage is companionship. The oil of our marriage is companionship and trust. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18, the Bible says it like this. Then the Lord God, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. 
healthy relationships, healthy companionship is built by focusing on becoming your spouse's best friend. If you have a person that you call your best friend, that's not your spouse, ma'am, you're wrong. You can have friends and you can be close, but the intimacies and the things that you share personally from your heart and life, your best friend, the relationship, the number one relationship you must focus on is the relationship of your spouse. Sir, if you got a buddy over here and he's your fishing buddy and you tell him all the deep, dark secrets of your life and you share with him things you'll never tell your wife, let me tell you your focus is wrong. God wants you to make your wife your very best friend. And do you know how you do that? Come on. Do you know how you do that? The first thing you do is you believe in them. You believe in them. You cheer them on. You, you become their biggest fan. I love what Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 10, it says it like this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us think of ways to cheer our spouse on, to encourage them. Uh, we did a marriage uh, um, small group of last year. It was called Love and Respect. And the concept of this, of this is found in the book of Ephesians where Paul says that husbands were to love their wives and wives were to respect their husbands. And the fact is that every woman needs to have that sense that their husband really cares about them, is going to protect them and provide them and provide security for them. But every man needs to know that their wife really thinks they're great. When they look in the mirror and Superman is gone, they still be looking like Superman. The man needs to know that the wife respects your husband. He don't want to go to work. He's crawling out of bed. It's another day. I owe, I owe, I owe. So after work I go, you're cheering him on. I believe in you. You can do it. You're the best. You're a champion. Every man needs to be cheered on. And every wife, every spouse needs to be cheered on. My wife and I had only been married for about two years. She was working for a sales company in Seattle. And they had a, a, an award that they would give out for people that got so many goals uh, for new employees if they had so many sales. They, they called them, they, they'd give them a Kiwi Award. It's called the, I don't, I don't know what it was, they'd give a little plaque and maybe a little something for them, you know, a little gift card. And it was the Kiwi Award. And I remember my wife, she called me that day and she had won, she'd made the Kiwi Award. And so I went on our computer. This was back when they had the old dot matrix, remember that? And you'd have the paper print off and, and I, I printed off a great big banner. Welcome home, Kiwi girl. And I put it over that door. Because here's the deal. If my wife wins, I win. If your husband wins, you win. So God's designed us for companionship. We become our spouse's best friend. And we learn how to do life together. In Genesis 1.28, it says it like this. He created the male and female. God blessed them. God blessed them. God wants to prosper your relationship. It is the dumbest thing to read Red Book and think they have any kind of insight or any kind of wisdom in relationships. It's the dumbest thing to read Glamour or whatever, Dash Men or GQ. and I mean, it's just crazy. Where do you get your information from? See, God says, I want you to prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge. Adam and Eve, work together. Be a partnership, 100% in. You're all in to make this thing work. You do your chores together. My wife likes to uh, compete. And she likes to set little timers in her house for chores. So the other day, 
We got a little list. I did, I, I'm a just, yes, ma'am. I'm right here. I'm doing life together. We got to make the bed, vacuum the house, mop the floor, and we got 10 minutes. <laughs> and if we get it done, I get a piece of chocolate at the end. There you go. So we're doing life together. We make the bed together. I make it a little better, but it's still good. I make the bed together. <laughs> I like this, like the sheet underneath there, nice and smooth. Ah, you know, we're just, we're doing life together. We're having fun. We're having fun. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and life more abundantly. 31 years. Let me tell you, you could ask me 30 years ago, and this wasn't the same story. I've had to grow in companionship. I've had to grow in understanding what it means to do life with my spouse to become a partner. The third thing is the steering wheel of our marriage is our communication. The steering wheel of our marriage is communication. You take the hand off the wheel on this one, you're going to end up in the ditch. You're going to end up in the ditch. James 1.19. James 1.19 says this, my dear brothers and sisters. My hermano hermanas. Take note of this. Everyone should be. Everyone should be. And slow to become angry. You have what? Two ears. Come on, you have two ears. You got one mouth. So easy to make assumptions. Already, you know, you've been married. You already know what they're going to say. You think, and so you just react. Well, then, just listening, learning to listen, learning to communicate correctly in a relationship. Learn how to communicate. There, I've learned several things about this, but there's some questions that we need to ask in this area of relationship. Do you often find yourself bickering and fighting over really dumb, small things? If you do, you're not listening well. You're not communicating well. Do you often find yourself, you often find yourself having a hard time of understanding what they're really saying? You know, the, there's what they say and then what they really mean. How you doing today? Fine. <laughs> you're like, I ain't going to find. We're in trouble. How well does your spouse feel like you communicate? How well does your spouse feel like you communicate? You know, there's a book out entitled, uh, Men's Brains Are Like Waffles, Women's Are Like Spaghetti. All right? And, and, and kind of the concept of the book is this, is that men have the ability to compartmentalize. You know, like a little waffle, you know, when you're pouring your syrup over it, you fill up that little compartment, and you can go down and just fill it up, you know. And that's kind of like the men's brain. That's the way it's hardwired. We compartmentalize. We have work life. We have family life. We have sport life. We have all the money life. We have all these different compartments, and they're good, but sometimes they don't interchange. It's why a man, when he comes home after giving all day at work, he can sit in front of the TV, and he's done with the work life. Now he's got TV life or home life. Got the remote control in his hand. He just, honey, are you hungry? Huh? We take out the garbage in a minute. <laughs> right? Men compartmentalize. Women's brains are more like spaghetti. Not in a bad way. It's good. But, but, but it's like, you know, you take a big blob of spaghetti and you put it on a plate and all the noodles are kind of interconnected. It's why the mom, she can be on the telephone. She can be cooking dinner. She can be writing a to-do list over here and correcting Johnny all at the same time. Because all those noodles, I don't know, they keep it all together. So let me give you some advice here. Become a good listener. Work at listening. You got to work at it. I mean, this doesn't happen by accident. You got to be intentional in your relationship. Don't say everything you feel. It's a big mistake. Big mistake. Big mistake. 
How big is big? Really big. Don't say everything you feel. See, the truth, we can tell the truth, but it always has to be done in a heart of love. When it's done out of anger, when it's done in the moment as a reaction, in the heat of the moment, we sow seeds. Seeds that at some time in the future have the potential, sometime in the future, and the potential to come up and reap havoc in our life. Control our language. Watch what you say. I'm going to challenge some of you in the room. You're still working on the sanctification process, and you find yourself using language. It's inappropriate. The Bible calls it filthy communication, corrupt communication, putrefied. If you still find yourself cursing, using bad words towards your spouse, I implore you, I implore you in the name of Christ, stop. Get that right. Bad words, curse words come from a dark place in your heart. And the Bible says, let no corrupt communication come from us. We have a choice. You don't have to curse. You don't have to use that kind of language. You don't have to speak that out of your mouth. Control your language. There's one word 30 years ago, 30 years ago in our marriage, we just completely wiped it out of our vocabulary. It was the word divorce. We just never said it. We've never said it. We never use it. I walked through the pain of parents who cursed and yelled and screamed. Not my mom, but you know, but I, I've been in that home. Dad walking out the door, relationship break. I know that pain as a child. I know that pain when language is out of control. I've heard it. I've heard those words spoken in a home. Let me tell you, some of you have been married and remarried and just, man, just don't do it again. From today forth, say, God, by your grace, I'm never going to use that word again. Practice proper timing. Saying the right thing at the right time. This is a big deal. We can say the right thing at the wrong time, and it's a wrong decision. A lot of people say the wrong thing, and the wrong thing is always the wrong decision. But we say the right thing at the right time. And the way that we learn to say the right things is we learn our, our spouse's love language. My wife's love language is acts of service. Some women, it's gift giving. Others, it's communication or, or, or time together. Every person, and we're not just like compartmentalized. We have a lot of these many times. But I really know that if I'm going to make my wife happy, her love language just speaks louder than any flowers that I could bring home. And I like to bring flowers home. But what speaks louder than anything else is when I come alongside and I serve along with my wife. Uh, and not just when I serve alongside her, when I'm actually proactive. When she comes home and the dishes are already done. Come on, amen. Points. Points. All the men say points. Like Jimmy Evans says, the problem with points is they evaporate at midnight every night. You've got to start all over again. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. We're committed. We're committed till death do us part. Galatians 6, 9 says it like this, let us not get tired of doing what is right. Let's not get tired. Let's not get tired of keeping our focus on the cause of Christ. Let's not get tired of watching our communication. Let's not get tired of it. Let's keep doing it. We don't feel it. Well, it ain't about a feeling. Those happy feelings, if you've been married for longer than five years, they left you about, two, about year two. 
you're doing what's right. For after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged. If we don't get discouraged and give up. Paul the Apostle said, if we walk, if we walk by faith and not by sight, we'll succeed. We see we live by faith in the Son of God and not by the feelings and the emotions of the moment. Our culture today really believes in emotions, that my right to be happy. The great theologian Vanessa Hudgens told Cosmo Girl last year, if you really love someone, you shouldn't have to work at it. Oh, no, no, no. Vanessa, we love you, girl, but it ain't like that. <laughs> there are three levels of commitment that every person in this room you're going to face. The I want to, the ought to, and I have to. And your relationship over a period of time, you're going to walk through all three of those. There are going to be times that you want to do it. There are going to be times that you know you ought to do it. And there are going to be times that you know you have to do it. Because we got to keep showing up. we got to keep doing good. we got to keep obeying God. we got to keep putting Him first in our life. We're committed to death that we part. Several years ago, we talked about marriage and the family unit. I, I came up with this hashtag. Hashtag wife for life. Hashtag wife for life. I started, you know, you go to Facebook and you can search the hashtags. And you know the hashtag? If you do a hashtag that's longer than like two or three words, no one's ever going to see that hashtag, all right? And just the hashtag, the way it works is that if you put a hashtag and that word will pop up, other people can search. They, let's say they can search that hashtag, wife for life, and you can see all the other people that have put hashtag wife for life on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And so we started this at City Church about maybe seven years ago, hashtag wife for life. And, and here's the deal. Here's, I want to challenge all the men in the room. I want you to send a message. I want you to send a message to every woman. I want you to send a message to yourself. I want you to send a message to your spouse that I'm committed to you the rest of my life. So what you're going to do is you're going to get your phone out. <laughs> I can do it right now. Laura's on the front row. We can do a little selfie right here. And you'll leave yourself a little cheesy smile. And you're going to post it on your social media page. And you say, hashtag wife for life. You know what you're saying? I'm committed to you for the rest of my life. Thick or thin. Till death do us part. Ecclesiastes 9.9. Solomon, he was in a bad moment of life, but he still got this one, right? Ecclesiastes 9.9. Solomon said it like this. Enjoy. Enjoy. Life with your wife, whom you love all the days of your life, that God has given to you under the sun. Enjoy life. The dream, it's a dream. It's a goal. It's a desire. It's the heart of God. Is that we'd be blessed. That we'd be prospered. That our marriages would succeed. We know it doesn't always happen that way. We know that there are marriages that don't always, always walk this out. But I want to tell you today, God hasn't given up yet. Keep doing good. Keep pursuing God. Keep going after Him. Psalms 126 has been a theme verse in our family for many, many years. And this is what I believe that God wants to come out of our heart. It seems like a dream too good to be true. When God returned His people who were held captive, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We're one happy people. We're happy people in God. Righteousness, joy, and peace. So what do we do with this today? What do we do with this today? 
How is your relationship with God? Are you making the kingdom of God your primary concern? How are you communicating? Are you communicating? You're really listening? Are you having real open dialogue, transparent communication with your spouse? Your companionship, are you making them your best friend? Are you living to do life together with them? And where's your commitment today? Where are you today? Psalms 126 is God's dream and desire for all of us. God does want us to live his life, a blessed life, an abundant life. We have choices to make today. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit has made everything available that you need today. You say, well, Pastor, you don't understand. Life's been a challenge. It's been difficult. We've had conflict in the past. I love what Paul the Apostle said. Paul the Apostle told the church at Corinth, old things have passed away. And God's desires for all things to become new. God wants your relationship to become new with him and with one another today. I want you to close your eyes. So what do we do today? What do we do today? We examine our hearts. In the first service, I said something like this, that sometimes we want to change the other person, but it's not about the other person being right. It's about us making ourselves right. You're not going to change anyone today, but we can focus our heart and our relationship with God, and we can make changes. If we want the right spouse, if we want the right relationship, we got to become the right person. So it starts with us. Some of you just got little flashing lights and Holy Spirit speaking to you, and there's just some things you're going to go back, and you're really going to focus, and maybe listen to the message again. And So, Lord, help me to focus on these areas, make the right priority. Some of you got, and maybe it's even a little deeper than that. You've got some addictions. You've got some transmission issues. Or your, your relationship with God is slipping in, which is causing relationship with other people to slip in. God wants you to know that he's here today to bring healing to your life. Maybe you've got some engine lights. Some of you have already been dabbling. You've already been thinking about a, another relationship with another person. God says, no, don't do that. Don't bring death into your life. Bring blessing today. I want to pray over every person in this room. Holy Spirit, you're here today. We thank you for the work and the grace that you are doing by your spirit in this room today. Thank you that you are challenging us, that you're convicting us. God, we submit ourselves to you. We thank you that you're the God that enables us to change. God, I bless every relationship. I speak over couples in this room. I speak over singles in this room who are going to be married in the future. God, I pray that your grace and your strength will be their portion. I ask this now, Jesus.